you know, even the the thickness of a book and the feel of it is part of the experience. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. Andrew, when people ask you what you do, do they sometimes assume that the Institute for Excellence in Writing, this company that you direct and founded all those years ago, is about handwriting? No, not often. <laughs> uh, but there, are, you know, if, if someone just hears the mm-hmm. name and doesn't know anything about right. me or us then they might say, oh, you mean handwriting? Exactly. I get yeah. that. I get that a lot when they don't know what it is that we actually do here, which that's a piece of it, but there's so many more things. And what I love about what we're going to talk about today kind of encapsulates a lot of the different areas that we actually address here at the Institute for Excellence in Writing. And that's, we're going to have a conversation about your talk, Paper and Pen, What the Research Says. Yeah, I put together this talk kind of on a whim. Mm -hmm. Someone wanted me to do a talk about this, and I thought, well, it's not really my area of knowledge. I mean, I have a little experience. I have a few opinions. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I dove in to see what the research says Mm -hmm. and kind of came to four different questions. Okay. So the first question was about reading, and that's what we include in our whole language arts thing, listen, speak, read, Mm -hmm. write, think, Mm -hmm. reading on paper versus reading on screen. Okay. The second question had to do with writing, but not composition aspect. Uh, Is there a difference between typing and writing on paper? Oh, okay. And then the third question was, when writing on paper, is there a difference between manuscript or printing versus cursive. Right. And then one of my particularly personal observations had to do with when you're writing on paper using a pen versus a pencil. And uh, I was I'm very happy to say I did find some research on that very question. Mm-hmm. And so I put all these together and uh, there's obviously a lot more that you can find. And people are continuing, you know, to do research in these areas. But this is what I came up with um, in terms of the most relevant studies up to about five years ago. Okay. So the first question is, are paper books better than e-readers for young children? Okay, for young children. Yeah. Now, I think most of us would kind of instinctively say, well, yeah, paper books are better, mm-hmm. especially as grandparents, mm-hmm. you know, because <laughs> we didn't grow up with screens mm-hmm. and we read to our children 
with picture books and paper and 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 our children may be reading to their children. But this is huge industry around e-readers. So is this like a Kindle reader? It it would be kind of like a Kindle specifically designed for children so that it would be easy to use to some degree. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so uh, Lisa Guernsey with the New America Foundation's Early Childhood Initiative observed that parents and children actually interact differently. So with a book, the conversation and interaction is more about content, what's happening, what's going to happen, what do you see? The kids will ask more questions about the stories. Mm -hmm. Whereas with the e-readers, the conversation was more about how to use the device. Okay. The nice thing about a book is you just turn a page. The the, the whole technology (laughs) is fairly simple. And then another observation she made was that Children seem to have recall, better recall of a story that was on paper than one that was on a screen. And that was particularly looking at young children. Mm -hmm. A further study done by Shugar and Shugar at Westchester University of Pennsylvania was published in The Reading Teacher, Volume 66, Issue 8, May 2013. And it was entitled Teaching with Interactive Picture Ebooks in Grades K to 6. Okay. Here they found that the interactive ebooks on tablets resulted in lower comprehension. Hmm. Children would just skip forward looking for animations. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of used to being visually entertained or mm-hmm. visually stimulated. And that the interactive features weren't really assisting in the comprehension at all. They were more like gimmicks and and distractions. You know, I find that interesting because you would think that one of the selling propositions for these e-reader type books is kids would want to be more involved in reading and therefore you read more, you understand more. But actually that didn't turn out to be true. No, um, it's sugar and sugar here in this study um, hypothesized that it may overwhelm mm. the limited working memory of the moment. And, and it's just a distraction. Oh, and, sure. You know, I think we all have the experience of having a thread of thought and then something pops into our visual field and breaks that off. And then we have to work a little bit. We have to exert our will to regain the thread of that whether it was a conversation or something we're writing or whatever. I thought that was just getting old that that happens. <laughs> no, um, we, we actually probably have a better ability to regain that hmm. than young children who, for whom the distraction can be overwhelming. And then they've got to kind of backtrack and go way back to the I beginning see. of that. Mm-hmm. So they, they will often lose the thread of the narrative. So this study um, in The Reading Teacher 2013 did show that comprehension is better with traditional books. Hmm. So that reinforced uh, Guernsey's statement with the uh, New America Foundation. With older students, there are still some measurable differences, but just polling kids, and this was uh, published by Naomi Barron, the executive director of the Center for Teacher Research and Learning at American University, Uh, said that of high school and college students, they prefer printed books. Mm -hmm. 92% polled said they could concentrate 
better because of the fewer distractions. Right. And there were other, you know, comments such as easier to focus, sticks in my head more easily, um, I can read more carefully, and less eye strain. So while the e-books do have many advantages, you know, one is lower cost. Another is convenience. You know, you can carry around 10,000 books in, <laughs> in a thing the size of your phone. Carry-on bag in your ear- at the airport. Yeah. It has, you know, built-in dictionary or mm. notes or whatever. The students polled liked the paper book better. In terms of actual comprehension in older students, uh, you can do this more objectively because you can give them comprehension tests. Right. Right. So there's this kind of superhero of literacy research named Anne Mengen, and she is Norwegian, but she is well published in this field in, in all sorts of areas. In fact, her name will come up again and again here. She published a paper in the International Journal of Education Research, number 58, uh, entitled Reading Linear Text on Paper Versus Computer Screen, Effects on Reading Comprehension. And here she found in a study of 72 Norwegian 10th graders of a four-page document that the comprehension of the paper text is significantly better than a PDF on a computer screen. Why might that be? I only anecdotally know how much easier it is to, you know, be able to mark up a page when it's on paper than if you're on a Yeah, if you're marking it, true. Mm -hmm. If you weren't marking it, and probably they didn't just to make all things be equal. Mm -hmm. So uh, this one, I've noticed myself, scrolling Mm. has a negative effect on concentration. Oh, interesting. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but if I'm reading something— and it, it's, you know, a, it's a continuous scroll situation. I really like to be able to have the thing that I just read be right off the top of the screen and the thing I'm about to read to be right at the top of the screen. Okay. Kind of like turning a page. Okay. Otherwise, you're, you're always kind of looking for where's the next thing. So, you know, it, unless the document is set up nicely to just go page to page to page, more like a Kindle, it can be distracting. And mm-hmm. I've noticed that. You're just like, okay, I got to get it set. Okay, now <laughs> now that it's set, I can go back to what I was reading. Ah. She used a word that I was very happy to learn this word. She said, screen screens lack fixity, F-I-X-I-T-Y. Mm-hmm. I was very happy to learn that word because I thought it would be so handy in Scrabble or Words with Friends. How did I know you were going to well, say that? Well, because someone plays fixed. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, ha-ha. <laughs> and, and you're thinking fixed, fixes, but there's three letters to get to the triple. Fixity. Ha-ha. <laughs> you know, uh, you pull that one out of your mental bag. Um, but what we do is we make mental maps of where ideas are. It's true. So if you're reading a book and there's Mm -hmm. two pages and you read on and then something kind of refers back to or reminds you of something you already read, Mm -hmm. what happens is your mind goes, that was on the lower half of the left page. It's true. A few pages back. Right. So you could go find it. Because you have a, a map in mm-hmm. your mind of where that idea was. That's incredible. It's, you're absolutely right. And and when you don't have that, recall is more difficult. 
The other thing, and I know you and I at our age and the, the battle with, you know, reading glasses and screens and font size, but, you know, younger people could have the same problem too, which is how do you get a screen, you know, the right distance? Mm. Now, if it's a, you know, a tablet or a Kindle, you, you can use it like a book. But if it's a laptop, it's sometimes hard to get your face the right distance from the screen mm-hmm. or move the thing close without it being too close. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so uh, visual ergonomics was mm-hmm. another factor in this um, Norwegian study. Right, because if you're holding a book, you're going to put it exactly where it's comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. And there's no problem with that. You can go yeah, in and around. Yeah, you can move yeah. it around. Also, if you know, if you're sitting, you you tend to move a bit and mm-hmm. readjust your body position because mm-hmm. when you can't readjust your body position, you start to get tired mm-hmm. of being in that same position. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. I noticed this on airplanes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you have a limited range of motion mm-hmm. on an airplane. But when you move your body a little bit, then you have to move what you're reading mm-hmm. accordingly. Right. If it's a, a laptop, much harder. Mm-hmm. If it's a screen that's fixed, even harder. Mm-hmm. So uh, N. Mangan uh, is evidently associated with Stavanger University. Mm. And uh, she did another study about comprehension with adults and gave them a 28-page mystery story. Oh, interesting. Half of them read with Kindle and half of them read with paperback. Now, I don't know how she divided them. I'm assuming it would have been random. Mm -hmm. But she found that those who read with the paperback scored higher on plot reconstruction. So she had identified 14 points uh, in this story and then asked them to, you know, reconstruct the plot. And so she found those who had read on paper did better mm-hmm. in terms of remembering the details. Uh, also, uh, they scored higher. And I'm not exactly how you would, how you would evaluate this, but she claimed they scored higher on empathy I guess that would be sharing the feeling or understanding the character. Transportation. Okay. Which I, I don't even know what that is in oh, the world sure you of do. reading you're, specialists. You're a Trekkie. You transport into the story. I see. Okay. So <laughs> and, and immersion, which sounds like the same thing oh, right, to sure. me. But, you know, if you're going to write a paper, you got to use as many words as you can. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> so um, the, the last uh, one here that I have is from, I, I love how these academic journals very often have titles. Yes. And if you just read the title, you really don't need to read the rest of it, you know, because <laughs> you got the whole point right there in, in the title. Uh, but this was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Okay. Volume 112, issue number four, by Chang et al. And this... Uh, evaluated reading and the effects on sleep. Okay. So uh, they had 12 healthy young adults in a two-week experiment. Uh, and and for some of that time, they were reading with a light-emitting screen. So mm-hmm. that would be a laptop or a tablet or a phone, as opposed to a Kindle, which is specifically designed to not be a light-emitting screen in the same way versus a paper book. And here they found that reading on a screen before sleeping 
uh, in general, the, the uh, readers took longer to get to sleep. They had suppressed melatonin levels, which nobody wants that. No. <laughs> they had less REM sleep, which is the deep sleep that renews. They tended to be groggier on waking, and this lack of sleep may have impacts on general health and performance. Uh, this particular study was also cited in a book that you know that I really appreciated uh, called Why We Sleep mm -hmm. by Matthew Walker. And so he used this along with many other studies to talk about the negative effects of blue light on right. sleep and therefore health. Right. And actually, after reading that book, I went out and bought blue light blocker readers. Blue light readers. blocker readers. It is tremendously difficult mm -hmm. to discipline oneself mm -hmm. to not look at screens yeah. for even a half an hour before trying to go to sleep. Right. Now, um, you had mentioned screens, just a traditional screen, maybe your iPhone or something, a Kindle and a paper book. And, of course, the, the iPhone and the book, I, I heard that there was a difference. What about that Kindle that doesn't have that? Well, the Kindle has a kind of technology mm -hmm. that is supposedly not emitting the same type of light as an LED screen. And they even have a, th a thing, I, I don't know, if, I'm assuming it's still available, called a paper white, a Kindle paper white. So uh, I don't have any research exactly about the difference between the Kindle paper white and an LED screen. Mm -hmm. um, I'm assuming that it would have the advantage of not emitting light in the same way, right. but it would have a little bit of the same disadvantage as lacking fixity, oh, um, sure. having a geographic, lo you know, kind of geographic location. Uh, Marilyn Yeager Adams at Brown University, a cognitive psychologist and literacy expert, made this statement, which I think kind of encapsulates the whole. All those cues, such as what the page looks like, what the book felt like, all those little pieces help you put together the whole thing. And they are just impoverished on a Kindle or a tablet. Mm. But, you know, even the, the thickness of a book and the feel of it is part of the experience for many of us <laughs> yes. in reading. Unfortunately, um, university students are being, I think, pushed more and more into ebooks. Mm -hmm. In fact, I remember not too many years ago, my son was in a dual enrollment taking a class, a biology class mm -hmm. at um, the local community college. And it was entirely a paperless class. Hmm. So there was no textbook that you would carry around that said biology on the cover. Mm -hmm. It was mostly, you know, articles that had been collected into e-files and video clips. And there was no paper. There were no paper tests. Hmm. It was all an online mm -hmm. kind of administered test. Mm -hmm. And even the papers all had to be turned in electronically. So I suppose that had been happening elsewhere. Uh, but to me, it was just a little bit of a shock to my system to think, you know, you could go and take a, a college class with absolutely no paper involved. Right. Um, I mean, Everyone should at least have the pain of hauling around a big, heavy, awful textbook that says biology on the cover. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. 
So I, I, can I ask another question about this? We talk about the medium of paper and of the screen. What about audiobooks? Well, that's going to be an entirely different question mm-hmm. than any of this research. Okay. Certainly, we can observe that some students who lean into the you know, dyslexic or dysgraphic side or who tire quickly with reading or even who find it difficult to pay attention for extended periods of time mm-hmm. will often, if not almost always, do better with an audiobook, mm-hmm. uh, which is why uh, the Association for the Blind and the Dyslexic has hundreds of thousands of books available on audio. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I have been told that if you join, you can actually request that they will create an audio book for a title that you need for your school or work, which is not in their existing library already. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that would be like reading with your ears. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I think I tend to remember what I hear a little bit better than what I see on the page. Mm. However, if it's something where I want to be able to read uh, something on the page kind of a few times, if it's really dense or super beautifully written or necessary information where I need repetition, then the page works better because it's very hard to, you know, wind back an audiobook to hear the thing you wanted to hear exactly. Right. That fixity question The comes fixity up. question, yeah. yeah. And, of course... A huge advantage uh, is writing on it. Now, mm-hmm. um, Mortimer Adler in How to Read a Book talked about the, um, the great importance of writing in, right. in, on your books and what you're reading. If, and he, said, he essentially said if you're not writing in your books, you're wasting time mm-hmm. because if you want to access or use that information again, you need to be efficient in finding it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the whole skill of annotating – for an academic reason. You obviously can't do that in an audiobook at all, uh, although you could theoretically listen to an audiobook and take notes, mm-hmm. but most people are listening to audiobooks while they're doing something else. Mm-hmm. If you're a little kid playing with Legos or building forts, and if you're an adult driving or washing the dishes. Screens evidently do have features that allow you to annotate. Mm-hmm. So certain PDF reader programs have an an annotation function or a mm-hmm. markup function. I know that some e-readers, some versions of Kindle will allow that, but it's not nearly – I wouldn't think it would be as efficient as just being able to underline stuff with your you know, pencil or write a few words in the margin or circle a page number or as I do, which horrifies some people – Doggier the pages. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I'm completely in favor of using books, <laughs> not keeping them in pristine condition. But I have met people who use little stickies <laughs> instead of dog-earing the books. Yes, and to all you listeners, I am cringing when he's talking about dog-earing <laughs> and he's laughing at me when he's talking about stickies because that is I'm a sticky and he's a dog-ear. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, certainly, you know, audiobooks have a good and proper place for most people Mm -hmm. in terms of enrichment Mm -hmm. and a very, very important place for some people in terms of actively being able to read 
with with less visual stress and tiredness and confusion. And so I think most of us experience a mix there unless we are in that blind and dyslexic category. Right, right. Well, and probably like you, I find that when I listen to a book and it seems to be one that I want to, you know, understand more deeply, I'll go out and buy it too. So now I've got two versions, right. the audio version and the hard copy. And I just did that because I, <laughs> I got the audio. I started listening to it. I'm like, oh, this is so interesting and good and I'm going to want to be able to quote this book or yes. use it in an article or tell people yep. something. So – there is that element. Of course, I'm always reminded of the stories of children who sitting on a parent's lap mm-hmm. being read to yep. kind of put the ear and the eye together and mm-hmm. almost learn how to read yes. in that multisensory environment without a whole lot of effort mm-hmm. in teaching them. Now, that's not every child, obviously. No. Some children need very explicit mm-hmm. um, phonics instruction and gradual process. I do feel very hesitant about teaching children to read with screen-based material. And we'll actually get into some of that when we get into the writing side okay, and the relationship between learning to make letters and write words and how that is such an important reinforcement on reading and decoding and establishing fluency. Okay. So our timer just gave us the three-minute warning, and we're supposed to cover an entirely another topic in this episode. Is that possible that we go no, over a little bit? No, because the... No, we we can stop here. Okay. Well, let's um, stop here then. Be, because this is a this is the biggest of them. Okay. And when we get into writing, kind of flows together. The, I think the research is a little more interesting. And of course, human beings learn to adapt. Mm-hmm. And old people like <laughs> us, you know, we're very attached to mm-hmm. the way we grew up and for most of our life and mm-hmm. the feel of a good book and Perhaps young people today who spend more time processing information on screens um, will adapt and find that they can compensate for that, quote, lack of fixity or the distractions. Or perhaps all of us, because of the changing nature of the medium, Mm -hmm. are losing our concentration. Do you notice it's harder to read for longer periods of time? (laughs) It, It is for me. I think it is for most people because there's things that are just pulling us to the side. True. And to really have sustained, focused, concentrated reading time, you almost have to just get that phone on airplane mode and get out of a room with any kind of screen and determine to just dive into this book. Mm -hmm. And I, I suspect that young people are less and less able to do that. And that's one thing that's affecting perhaps overall literacy. Right. Yep, exactly. Well, Andrew, more to talk about until next time. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. 
or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Pudua and the team at IEW, I thank you for allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking. <laughs>